Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live social media show. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, sometimes TikTok. Uh, where we highlight uh, the life of a master craftsperson and a paint business entrepreneur. Obviously, we're here to ask and answer any questions that you have, any topic suggestions. We are here. If you want to talk about which oil primer goes on cabinets, you know you can always do that stuff here. Um, so this is uh, a summer series of Ask a Painter Live. Um we, we go in sort of waves uh, with this show with different content. Um, Winter, I go hard with screen sharing, spreadsheets, content, steps to professionalization, hardcore training, knowledge sharing, all that other stuff. Um, myself and just about every other uh, master craftsperson, tradesperson, give or take, we have a lot more bandwidth then. Um, it's not because it's dead in the winter. It's just because, like, especially in the northern part of United, uh, the United States where we actually have seasons, um, the demand is always steady for what we do. And it just goes crazy in the summer when people sort of like get out of hibernation and do stuff. So we've adapted this show uh, along with a lot of the other stuff I do to follow that ebbs and flows. So what I'm not going to do tonight is share my screen, go over job costing, the intricacies of burden and all the stuff that goes into it. And um, yeah, what we're going to do here is we do something a little lighter in the summer months where it's Sunday night. It's almost sunset. I'm in my box blind in the back of my beloved farm, and uh, we just share sort of deeper thoughts. And I have a whole bunch for you tonight. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. I, I uh, People have been suggesting some uh, often topics, uh, one of them including what happens when I'm ready to retire or not work, what happens to my company and all this stuff. That is a deep, deep thought, Mr. Jim Callahan. Uh, we will get to that stuff there. I did see that Anthony Cade. Uh, oh yeah, here we go. Just being burnt out. Have spent a decent portion of this year enjoying life more and not hammering the biz. <laughs> Love this one, man. How do you handle burnout? Oh, geez. I will tell you what. Um, uh, I tell you what, Mr. Anthony Cade, a friend of mine in the industry, we will get to that question because I've been seeing the entire industry shift in a lot of different ways. And that data point, that question uh, is kind of one of those two. So as you guys know, any question, any topic, we can do it here. I usually reserve these nights for deep thoughts. But like I said, if you want to know what brush to cut in walls with, we can also talk about that too. Uh, let's get through some house, clean, house cleaning first, and then uh, let's get into some of these deeper topics because I got a lot on my mind this time of year. Uh, especially on these introspective evenings like this where the sun is setting and uh, the crickets and the frogs and everything else are going on. So uh, I'll be in SoCal, Lake Elsinore at the surf prep facility with all my favorite people there um, late September. If you guys want to go hardcore into marketing uh, and estimating, um, this is topic du jour in the entire industry here. So people keep talking about recession. I heard one wise person say that we've been eight We've been one month of a, away from a recession for the last 18 to 24 months. And it feels like that too. Like there's this big guillotine hanging over our head. The economy's strong. Hiring is good. Sales are good. Things like that. Um, 
most people will have momentarily blips of highs and lows in their business, but I'm not seeing anything out there in the um, overall economy that would indicate that we are in or we have this impending sort of crazy slowdown that would alter what we do. So we are going to spend a large portion of this entire fall and winter going hardcore into the data, science, feelings, uh, and human side of estimating and marketing. Uh, this is what everybody wants. I've been accumulating a monster amount of data year over year in my business. I have so many deep thoughts. I'm pivoting my own marketing, estimating techniques coming up here. We're uh, training, retraining our team to do some other things. And uh, I cannot wait to share what's going on. I cannot wait to share the data and I cannot wait to get data from you guys. Uh, but uh, back into the house cleaning part. Um, late September, Lake Elsinore, there's a link in the show notes here. Um, there is uh, Women in Paint and uh, Commercial Conference, Spanish-speaking uh, painters, uh, contractors conference down in Florida. Excuse me, Women in Paint and Commercial is in Nashville. Uh, that's, uh, I believe, in October or November. Uh, all the links are here. All the links are on the PCA's website. Um, I would tell you guys, when you get time to come up for air and breathe towards the end of summer here. It's the end of August. We're getting into September. We got about maybe four or five weeks of reliable exterior painting here in Minnesota. Maybe some more if we get lucky by the grace of God into October. But um, we're going to have more time to breathe and let's start planning for it. Let's not act like we don't know that there's going to be uh, more time, more bandwidth in our uh, schedules. And uh, I would urge you guys uh, to get out there and to uh, join up in these um in these events. Uh, they are life-giving. They are energy-giving. Uh, the content is amazing. The data, the feelings, the everything else. Uh, it it really is the thing that's fueling a lot of the highest uh, performers and thought leaders in our industry right now is these in-person events like that. So I would urge you guys to get in there. Um, also, a business accelerator. Um, yeah, there's usually a little pause or, uh, or, or some... Uh, I don't want to call it a slowdown, but as everybody gets busy, typically we don't enter into a huge virtual or online class in summer. And uh, but we are revving that thing back up for the PCA. So if you if you like anything you hear here, steps to professionalization, uh, all these things we're talking about, um, that is there's an online course for that, too. And there's actually a promo code to save you some money in there. Uh, me being the chairperson, they gave me a promo code. And if you guys do sign up, you can use my promo code to save. It's just a thing to just so they can track their marketing, things like that. But also. I want you guys to professionalize your business. So um, we got lots of things going on. I want to talk about some recent happenings in my business. I want to talk about can these businesses run without you, which was a topic I had queued up. And then Mr. Jim Callahan, a friend of mine, had asked what happens when you want to retire. Uh, we can talk about burnout, mental health, uh, full gas tank, empty gas tank. Love that stuff, too. Let me just see what else we got here. Luke, thanks for watching. Mr. Benjamin Taff, Craig. Yeah, here we go. Uh <laughs> Oh my God, Dave Pine just bought a house on uh, seven point acres. Uh, I might need some pointers on a box blind build. Oh my God, dude. I would travel out to you, uh, Mr. Dave Pine, and we could do a project together. That would uh, absolutely be awesome. So Michael Sharp, thank you for watching. Hector, thanks for watching. James, Suzanne. Oh man, this is awesome, guys. Um, okay, so let's first talk about, we're going to get to some recent happenings in my business. We're going to get to um, what happens when I don't want to do this anymore or can't do this anymore. But let's talk about Anthony Cade's thing here. This has been uh, foremost on my mind for probably about five years right now. Uh, he said, just being burnt out, having spent a decent portion of this year enjoying life more and not having the biz, how do you handle burnout? Um, you'll probably have to handle burnout many times in your life as a business owner. Um, one of the weird 
bits of perspective I can offer you is that sometimes you probably don't even know if you're burned out. If you're being honest, um, you think, wow, I can keep going in my business. I, I have uh, more capacity to do other things. Um, what you're not realizing is that you have a gas tank and you're emptying it in certain areas of your life. And um, when you empty that gas tank, there's not gas tank or gas left over or energy left over for other areas of your life. So uh, you could easily make the argument that I've neglected either business, personal, professional, even myself uh, in waves over the years of growing this business. And when you look, look at the statistics of how many people can actually or do grow a business as large as I have or other people in our industry, it's a pretty small number. And uh, I don't take a lot of solace in that. It's just an economic indicator and a piece of data that tells you how hard it is and how, how few people kind of push through it. Uh, but there's many ways to push through it push through it. There is a professional way. There's a calm and consistent way to do it. Uh, and there's also the cowboy way, which we know. And um, it's very easy for most of us in this industry to cowboy through a lot of this stuff because the weird quirk about our industry is that, call it 330,000 paint businesses uh, in the United States, it's very likely that 300,000 of those were never meant to be business owners or don't have the training or the experience or the uh, life experience to be business owners. Doesn't mean we can't be, doesn't mean we can't get the things we need to do to grow business. Very few people are actually um, fully equipped for the businesses that they're growing. I can I can vouch for that personally. And I have a business degree <laughs> with, uh, with a double minor and two forms of accounting. And I was still unprepared uh, for what lied ahead of me. So, um, but most of us start a business in this industry because there's not enough professional painting companies to employ us. I mean, I'm a great example of that, which is I left my own family business. My own family business was not professional enough to even employ me. Now, that's not saying that I'm the greatest employee on earth. It's just that there was nothing there for me. There was nothing written down. There's no pay scale. There's no HR. There's no path to a future or path to development or anything. And uh, I do understand why people start paint businesses because there's not enough professional businesses out there. So sadly, a lot of us are thrust into this. Uh, some of us make it through, some of us don't. And, and burnout is completely understood because what we do, I don't want to call it difficult, but there's variables, right? What we do is pretty easy. You buy a can of paint and you color somebody's house for a living. Um, but there's a lot of variables in that, but I never want to overcomplicate that, right? I'm a guy who, who believes that this is, as somebody who's martyred themselves and bled for this craft, and as a master craftsperson, it is difficult, right? We know all the variables. But in the end, managing humans and working with other humans is way harder than painting will ever be. Because with the painting process, we can control it. You know, we can control it. And anything that comes up, we typically have a high pain tolerance uh, where we're sort of like, we're flexible, right? We're not defeated by that sort of thing. There's a lot of other people out in this world that are defeated by this thing. Maybe rightly, maybe wrongly so. Um, and there's a lot of people who have a very low pain tolerance where the first sign of friction shows up and they just throw their hands up and walk away. That's just how life is. That's how humans are. Managing those humans, training those humans, setting them up for success, um, teaching them to be leaders, teaching them to overcome these minor things is way harder than painting will ever be. So I say this because when people burn out, it's typically because of humans and not the paintwork. If you burn out because of paintwork, it's typically at this time of year. It's the height of the season, what they call the dog days, right? The late July, the August time where it's hot, 
The weather's good. We're out there producing. The calls are through the roof. Demand is through the roof. Everybody wants everything now. And if I'm being honest, burnout comes from us setting a lot of improper expectations. Saying yes to everything. Saying yes now to everything. Not telling people a reasonable expectation of time or even if we can do it. And then basically working ourselves to the bone and then resenting the people who hire us to do that stuff because we're working so hard. Nobody can see that. And, and yes, they don't understand that I put them way ahead in the schedule or that I'm working a Saturday or a Sunday or evenings to get their project done. And um, all we have to do is set proper expectations. And it's the toughest thing on earth because I've been there, folks. My early strategy in this business was to work first 40 hours, then 80 hours, then 100 hours to make more money. And that's fine. But you empty your gas tank everywhere else but home and for yourself. And um, in the long line of recipients of our gas, <laughs> of our energy, of our time um, and our uh, energy units that we can expend on other things, our, our families and ourselves suffer a lot because of that. So box blind musings, long-winded way of saying, I've seen a huge shift in this industry and in life in general. And I don't necessarily think it's because of COVID because we're three, four years on now from a lot of that stuff. But what's really interesting, COVID did it not not sort of like re-change the way we think about this stuff. But lots of things have changed. And one of the coolest things I'm seeing as a shift in the industry is people will talk about it and say it's mental health, work-life balance, family, proper boundaries, setting expectations. But really what it is is professionalism, right? Like there's a time and a place to just go for it. Morning, noon, and night and things like that. But if you're going for it and you're not setting yourself up and, and laying the foundation for a time where you don't have to go for it, that goes on forever. I mean, there is an infinite amount of capacity that people will take from you if you're willing to just go for it for 17 hours a day for the rest of your life. We need to set some proper expectations of, I'm, I'm, I'm the last person on earth that'll tell you, you should only be working 40 hours a week. Like if you want to own a business and grow it, you're not working 40 hours a week. If you're an employee and you have not bought your first house or your first car, or you're, don't in, you're not in a stable relationship, you're not financially secure, and you only work 40 hours a week, it's likely uh, this is going to go on for a long time for you. There is a time and a place. I'm a true, true believer in a, in a early, in an early sprint in your twenties, sometimes even into your thirties where you just go for it, where you have a job, you work overtime, you bartend on the weekends, you pick up anything else you can so that you can set the foundation for something better in life, which is a down payment for a house, a stable relationship and financial security. Um, I've heard a bunch of very interesting things this last year, and I've probably heard them my whole life. Maybe they just stuck with me now, but I heard that I just, this is so obvious, right? And, and I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say all these things, but I heard somebody say the words, the most important decision you'll ever make in life is who you couple with for the rest of your life. I believe that to be so true. 
So true. I mean, financially, mentally, physically, spiritually, everything else, the most important decision you'll ever make is who you couple with in life. It can, it can alter the course of everything you do, good and bad. Um, I've also heard uh, somebody say the words, one of the best things you can do as like, a, what do I do first in life, right? What do I do first in life? And let's say you've gone through your 20s and 30s, you find yourself in the 40s. And you're just still, you're just like floundering around or fifties and floundering around. You still haven't got that, that purchase, that, that take hold. I heard somebody say the words, one of the kindest things you can do for yourself, for your family, for your immediate circle of influence and for the world is to be financially stable and independent on your own. And these things are just like no shit stuff, right? But for some reason, they've really hit home over the last couple of years with me, which is like, simple operating systems and guiding principles for your life. They're not talk to this human, ask for this job. Here's how you negotiate a pay thing. Those are like granular and tactical and strategic. These are like careful who you couple with, make the right choice, get financially stable. What it isn't, what it, what it doesn't say a lot in life is happiness, free time, work-life balance. I'm still one of those people that believes that that is important, but there is a truth in life at least in your younger years, that if you want to be very well financially off and have the, the money freedom, it's likely you will suffer from infreedom of time. If you want freedom of time, it's likely you will suffer from the infreedom of money. It's just how it goes. It's how it goes. And these are kind of like obvious things. And I know that, uh, that people will pre preach work-life balance and stuff, but I am also a fan of these sprints. So again, very, very long way around of saying, and this, this kind of couples and dovetails into the retreat, which we did a couple weeks ago, which is I'm seeing a large shift in the industry about when people talk about work-life balance, they think, let's just work less. We need to spend more time playing pickleball and shooting arrows and, uh, you know, uh, uh, riding our skateboards. That's part of it. But what my takeaway is we need to be better at what we do. We need to be more professional. We need to, if we give ourselves 40 hours, if we give ourselves 46 hours a week, we need to do a hell of a lot of very good things in that time. And I think the push is don't limit your time. The point is maximize your efficiency and capabilities and effectiveness in that time. Um, a lot of people in our industry, including myself, everything I'm telling you guys here is like a big mea culpa. I've been there with you. If you think you have uh, emptied your gas tank into your clients' homes and in your business and things like that, and you're the only one, I can sit here and tell you that 100 hours a week might be a good start for me in my early years. And um, I, everything that you guys have done in the extreme way, uh, I have done that and probably a little more. Um, I am a very extreme personality. I like to test the limits of boundaries. I like to bookend things high and low. And in that time, I've tested a lot of the physical, mental, spiritual capabilities of a human who can do this stuff. So I got a lot of data and experience to share with everybody. But Anthony, in turn, I absolutely love the way you think. I love the way this industry is thinking. It was really driven home at the retreat when we started talking about not just working less, but being better in the time that we have, right? And you can you can extend this to a 40-hour work week. You can extend this to family time. You can extend this to your life. How are we going to just be better with the time that we have? And that's a, that's a big one. That's a real big one. And sometimes it, the next logical sort of thought progression that happens with all that is, 
how do you know if you're doing better? What is better? And I heard another great thing. <laughs> these, uh, all these things are top of mind. They're just like, there's, there's about 11 things that replay over and over in my head. The next one is I was challenged a couple of years ago by somebody that said, um, you may be doing good compared to some people that you can point out, but are you actually living up to your capabilities and your capacity? And that thing hit me just like, you know, sledgehammer to the chest, which is, it's very easy to think about the car you drive and the land you own and the amount of humans and vans and amount of paintwork and top line revenue that you do. But some people might challenge, but are, are you living up to your capabilities? Are your capabilities higher or lower than what you're actually doing compared to other people? And that is a, that's a gut punch. That really makes you think about a lot of what you do. And, and rightfully so. I absolutely love that stuff. So Anthony, that couldn't be a more relevant topic. The industry is shifting to this. It might just be my weird circle of influence, the PCA, the Ask a Painter, uh, Painting Contractors Facebook group with Tanner Mullen, Corey's Cabinet uh, group. Uh, it may just be that. But I pay attention to these shifts in the industry. Like the shift from no good people out there to sales and marketing all of a sudden in the last 12 to 18 months. That's a big thing. The shift to work-life balance, and being professional, that's a big thing. And I think it's a great sign for our industry. It's what me and the PCA and everybody else has been fighting for, which is 99% of all paint businesses in the United States are single owner operators. doesn't make them good or bad, but it probably makes them unprofessional. And it would be great for everybody to have work-life balance, enough money, time and money freedom, and things like that. So we're not emptying our gas tank all over the place and not having enough for our own families, ourselves, and our businesses. So, yeah. man, thank you guys for the thoughtful questions. I love this stuff. Um, <laughs> Dave Pine, I want to see some, uh, I want to see some pictures of that, uh, 7.8 acres, man. And, uh, I love this cause I'm sitting on my own little slice of heaven out here. And, uh, I think next year, one of my kids actually said this was, uh, this will end up being the 10th year anniversary that we've owned this place out here. Uh, we've only lived out here for about three. Uh, as you guys know, I'm kind of the long play kind of guy. Um, I went on a multi-year campaign to find my forever place, my forever home. And we had plat maps. We, we uh, had a letter writing campaign to farmers and places that I knew around the area. We drove all the county roads. We make notes on the map. We contacted homeowners. I checked all the real estate websites two, three times a day. And we ended up finding this about nine years ago. And uh, this was the long play. And we are here in my box blind on this beautiful slice of heaven because of my little freedom machine, this painting company. I never would have had this. I never would be here. I'd never be in this box blind if I wouldn't have had this little freedom machine. And have I suffered for this business? Yes. Yes. Have I suffered for my clients? Without a doubt. But um, have I suffered for maybe too many years? Yeah. You could argue that, uh, that I, I operate in a very unprofessional way, just grit, you know, just hardcore cowboy, firefighter, grower, founder, scaler, kind of stuff like that, which is fine. But eventually, um, you know, when you have four kids and you have this and you have a pile of employees and you have, uh, you know, uh, responsibilities in your community and elsewhere, um, your gas tank does eventually empty. And the size of your gas tank is a little bit relative, right? Some people's gas tanks are smaller than others, but eventually you're going to empty your gas tank. And usually when people hit that breaking point, Anthony Cade, and make a change is when they, they now have no gas tank for themselves anymore. And that's when you start having um, physical, mental, spiritual sort of side effects of what you do. 
And it sort of rocks people like me and other people in our industry to where it's like, oh my God, uh, I thought I was just like Iron Man where I could just pull 20 hour days off for six months straight. And um, I wouldn't hold it against people. Uh, I would be happy. I could just keep going. And eventually you realize like sooner or later, you don't do that anymore. You just don't do that anymore. And um, yeah. So sooner or later, everybody gets to that. You can call it, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you can call it a lot of things, but sooner or later people are met with this sort of realization that we're not Iron Man, we're not Superman. And uh, probably rightly so. Hopefully it happens to you sooner or later. Hopefully it happens to you sooner than I, than it happened to me in my life. But it's a pivotal point in any sort of grower, founder, scaler, firefighter, cowboy, business owner sort of thing. Uh, it's very important that it does happen. Um, but hopefully you have a, you have a soft uh, version of that, right? So let's talk about more of this stuff. Man, you guys are awesome tonight. Got a whole pile of people watching here. I appreciate this very much. Michael Sharp, I would uh, I would have never went out on my own if I had a good <laughs> path to management. Nope, that's it, man. And I will say this. One of the reasons, um, so I, I will say this. On the backdrop of everything I've ever done is really an unintentional. I've just worked really hard. I've done some things. Obviously, there's a there's a pretty singular path to growing in this industry, which is eventually it feels like you'll need more stuff, more people, more vans, things like that. It's not a real question of where you go like that if you do want to grow. So I, I if if I'm upfront and honest, I did that stuff just because it felt like the right thing to do. Just because they're like, well, other people do it, other companies do it, and obviously, if you want to have a bigger company, you got to have more people and more vans. So I just did it, and at every stage, I had I had people and things and stuff. And then did some things around it to make it work after I felt the friction. So, um, but I agree with you, Michael Sharp. Uh, I left my own family business because there wasn't a path anywhere to that. Like my family, like what I do. But when I think about my own family and and the rest of my life, a, a potential 50 or 60 year career, if it's not there, you can't blame people for le leaving. So that's one of the reasons I'm very glad that I built a business as big as we did is we have lots and lots of opportunities for people. Being a technician, being a manager, being a leader, all of those areas, there are areas for people who perform very highly and share our core values. And in most painting companies, I mean, the 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 basic realization that we all have to say is that if you are a single owner operator and you own and you employ one, two or three people, there will likely never be a path for those people outside of painting, which isn't good or bad. It's just is like, there's not going to be a manager, like a general manager when you only have three painters, things like that. So uh, at least having that opportunity for people to work into is a big thing. It's not a given. Typically um, technicians, managers, and leaders are three different people. Um, if you're a unique or special person, you can sometimes bridge the gap. You can be developed, but you got to humble yourself uh, in order to do that. And that takes a special person. So we're always on the lookout for those. Uh, that's sort of our, our golden geese, our purple unicorns that we're always looking for. And growing a business like this is basically a tool, uh, a machine for me to sort of dog whistle to those people because I want to surround myself with those people. That makes me very, very happy. So Ryan Gill, my good friend, thank you for watching. Uh, improper expectations, my friend. You know that. Trevor Duncan, Greg O'Connell, thanks for watching. Uh, Sherry, Rob Yarborough, good to see you. Michael Holston, how are you doing, my friend? Ah, Jimmy Coolman, how you doing? Question, have you guys experienced with uh, whites, more specifically satin, that is not covering so good? Uh, da, 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 da. Can uh, can be SW or Benjamin Moore. 
All right, Jimmy, uh, boy, do I have some thoughts on this. So, um, I like a good, I'd like to sprinkle a good paint related question after we get into spiritual crises and things like that. So, all right, here's the deal, folks. Um, I don't get spicy with our industry. I don't push back. I don't like to be that curmudgeon. And Lord knows I'm getting, I'm like middle age right now. So I'm not the youngest guy in the industry. I'm not this old, old dog in the industry yet, uh, slightly approaching that. But what I don't want to be is that grumpy old curmudgeon that just, oh yeah, yeah. He just, just calls people hacks, doesn't know what they're doing, but here's the deal. 31 years of doing this, 15 years of running this business, I will tell you this. When people get on the painter internets, the painter internets are all the big forums, and they say Sherwin-Williams really fell off, Purdy really fell off, Benjamin Moore really fell off. It's not what it used to be. It's not true. It's just not true. Um, When people say I got a bad gallon of paint, I bet you didn't. I just bet you didn't. It's almost always human error, right? Right. Of all the things in our worlds, of all the things in our worlds, one of the only standardized things that we have that is professional and good and consistent is typically the paint. Our clients are all over the place. Our employees are all over the place. We're all over the place. The only thing we can really rely on is the paintbrush, the roller cover, the tools, and the paint, right? So what I'm not going to hear, what I'm not going to say, Jimmy is that it's complete BS and that things don't change. Lord knows I've had some paints over the years that have changed, right? They're just different and they do different things. Take <laughs> take uh, Benjamin Moore Satin and Purbo, right? Red label, oil from the 80s, from the 90s. I've been around just long enough to, to use some of that stuff. You brush it on, it it feels cool to the touch, like like honed granite. There's not a brush mark on it on all the trim and cabinets you do. It's hard as a rock. You can polish it. It's great with VOC uh, restrictions and things like that. Products like that change. Still a great product, but it's going away in most parts of the country. Obviously, they're not innovating it anymore. I don't blame them, but that product does change. I'm not going to sit here and look you in the face and say that some whites aren't hard to change. But what I will say is that by the time you get to something in the paint formula has changed that has changed my life and the way I have to do it. I would argue there's probably about maybe four to nine different things above there, which is one of the things that I notice in my business is the paint stays pretty consistent, but our clients wishes for color go all over the place. So if it feels like data and feelings, Jimmy, right? This is not me pushing back. This is just me giving an anecdote from my own business. If it feels like, man, we're having a bunch of coverage issues. I bet you the paint isn't covering. It could just be that we spent a decade of painting chocolate brown and black gray, and now everybody wants white walls. And so magically, uh, we're running into coverage issues with that stuff. When we do the extremes, when we go dark to light, light to dark, things like that, we're going to have coverage issues, right? And it's a hell of a lot easier to take um, iron ore, the paint color, and go over an off-white than it is to take Chantilly lace and go over iron ore. It just it just is how it is. So I would I would say that it may feel like having coverage issues, but if you buy premium paint and uh, use a really nice half-inch Purdy White Dove roller cover, Purdy Pro Extra Elasco brush, Sherwin-Williams Duration matte over the top, you're going to get some damn good coverage. And I've even seen some of my craftspeople, even apprentices, have a pretty dark chocolate brown wall and go to like Benjamin Moore White Dove or something. And man, that stuff covers in two coats. So I would just urge you, if if you're running into some stuff like that and you're not using premium applicators and premium paint, I would urge you to try that first and then do that. Now, I will say this. 
maybe five to 10% of all of our jobs, uh, we have to initiate our third coat clause, which it's in our contract, which is um, if we have Sherwin-Williams hickory smoke on the wall now and somebody wants to go Chantilly lace, we probably won't even give them the choice of, oh, we'll see if it's a third coat. We'll probably just say, we're going to lay down a coat of white primer first because white primer sticks better, dries faster, way less, uh, way cheaper than like a duration mat. We'll lay a coat of that down, dries good. That duration mat just glides over it like grease lightning, two coats of that. Uh, and then we move on and we usually charge 35% extra for something like that. Cause it's basically a third times, uh, more work, give or take and drying time for that sort of thing. So Jimmy, uh, not, not saying it's wrong, but I would say, make sure you explore all the things that might be creating coverage issues first before you say paint has changed. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> Annie Martins, how it going? Mike Savanas, how's it going? Sean Kelly, Diego, Ty Staler, how you doing? Josh Ober, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> Austin Schumacher, this is really hitting home for me, man. Listen, so this is the reason I take this tact uh, of box blind deep thoughts in the summer because we're feeling it, right? Most people don't hit burnout the second week of January in their businesses or start feeling burnout. We feel burnout now, the dog days, man. It's July and August. So that's why we take this tact of not sitting down and buckling down with screen shares and spreadsheets. That stuff's for the winter. We'll do all that. We'll go through all the steps of professionalization and things like that. But right now, this is for this is for this side of our of our industry. Enjoying these nights, enjoying these evenings. Just uh yeah taking care of this side of the business as well, too. We'll have time for job costing later on. So Jason Kerr, Eric Sowers, Andrew Hogan, Travis Moses, how's it going? Oh, man, Travis, how you doing, sir? Ryan Koichel, fellow Minnesota painter. Jamie Burkhardt, friend of mine. Love seeing you. Love seeing your business, girl. Oh, Dave Pine, my first Sunday night in our new home. Couldn't be better than Ask a Painter. On our farmer's porch. Dude, I love that, man. You got a sense of pictures. I just love that stuff. Ashley Pryor, Kathleen Palma, Tim Marsley. How's it going, man? Uh, fellow veteran, local uh, realtor, awesome local realtor here. Good to see you watching, man. Gutierrez Painting. Our Portsmouth Painting Company has allowed our dream of home ownership to happen. Dave Pine, I love that, man. You're an inspirational dude in our industry. Matthew Curran, how's it going, my friend? Uh, late tuning in. DC Clark, Oscar Milan, good friend in the industry. Clint. Uh, Oscar, any news on the gallery products? So yeah, we'll be doing some content really, uh, coming up quickly here. Um, as you guys have been following along, I got gallery in the shop. We got clear, we got dark, we got light, we got all the primers. I've been collecting cabinet doors from all over the place. I've been looking for those prototypical, you know, 10 to 30 year old, uh, oak cabinet doors that have probably either been oil varnished or, um, are uh, uh, nitrocellulose lacquered uh, as as the most common sort of finish. And then we're going to go through a series of tests. And uh, you guys have uh, chimed in. You've given me amazing amounts of feedback. Uh, it's likely that I'm not going to follow all the ASTM tests with all their uh, technical stuff. But I will, I, will, uh, I will incorporate a lot of your guys' feedback. And basically, a lot of it's uh, what we're going to do here is very simple, very straightforward. Um, people want me to do all sorts of mustard tests and all this other stuff, but really, listen, um, what I'm very interested in is prep versus no prep, drying time, sandability, readily available, ease of use, and problems in the application. Uh, so that, uh, if we have a bunch of apprentices out there, um, what are we going to look forward to? Is this a very tricky product that almost nobody but a master can do, or is this something that painters can do? 
reliably, where we give our clients a world-class finish, something maybe better than what we're doing now. So there'll be a whole bunch of very simple, very straightforward tests where there's lots of people that are going to get out all sorts of, you know, mustard and syrup and coffee, and they're going to do abrasion testings and they're going to do all this and stuff. And I, I will let them do that. And I will do some myself too. But um, my value proposition, what I offer to the industry are these very straightforward tests of if I'm a common painter, if I'm a new business owner, if I'm an apprentice, what is my interaction with these products and can I run a business off of them? What are we going to, what, what happens with a product like gallery when you incorporate it into a 20 to 40 person business who works inside people's houses, refinishing cabinets. And that's going to be my data point for the industry. So look forward to that. Uh, lots more to follow there. So I can't wait for it. It's going to be fun. Sam Chandler, how's it going, man? Good to see you. John Ray, what do you think are some of the best marketing tactics right now? John Ray, we spent great time up in the Northwoods of Minnesota. Uh, John, you are one of the most inspirational dudes in the industry, like following you from afar. Um, I knew you were a substantial dude and it's fun following you, uh, especially when you buy Mr. Peak's business in California, who uh, Mr. Peak is like a, a father and grandfather to all of us in the industry. One of the coolest dudes ever. Um, I had no idea how substantial of a dude you were till we were in the um, Northwoods of Minnesota at the retreat. Your story was amazing. I've been regaling people with stories of your ask, right? So everybody gets an hour to address the group, the think tank, and get some feedback. Your ask started with a story based on tattoos on your arms and a story of who you are, what you do, your accomplishments, where you want to go. And it was just like, that is, that is what's so cool about that group, people like you that are there. Um, I think there were at least one person who focused highly on their ask on marketing when we were up there and about two or three others I counted that ancillary bumped into it. I really wanted to do a marketing ask up there. In turn, I did something for the PCA. Um, but my big takeaway, I took away a lot actually, especially from Matt Kuyper's ask. Um, my big takeaway was, um, marketing companies aren't going to solve this for you. They can be helpful as a tool. There's no magic one that you can wave with cash that'll make all this go away. You have diversification, relationships, and effort versus money are likely going to drive the results for the next six to 12 months. So, you know, I always talk about my, I don't know, somewhere between 11 and 13 forms of marketing, and we've been diversifying more and more every year. And this wasn't news to me. Like nobody, nobody shows up here and nobody's going to talk about marketing here. And, and when I talk about go deep dives into marketing winter, I'm not going to show you some magical new thing you've never heard of. I'm going to talk about the real data from this stuff and how we operate consistently and professionally within it. Instead of these, I have no jobs. I'm in crisis mode. I spent a bunch of money on marketing and rebranding. Nothing happens. Now I have a crisis of phase and now we're doing that. So what I will say is that you will see my marketing shift from money dumps to effort dumps uh, over this next six months here. And we're probably going to go from um, two main channels produce probably 60 to 80% of my work and we need to diversify that. And, and that's great. I mean, one is paid, one is unpaid and that's fine. That's good. It's a great start, but it would be great to have, you know, six forms of marketing do 15% a piece, give or take, because then you're diversified a little bit. You can track the numbers and um, the next level of um, uh, sort of 
data-driven decision makings is, you know, we can always talk about the cost per lead. That's like the initial just sniff test sort of stuff. That's like how many, how many people do you have in your company? What's your top line revenue? It tells you a little bit about the company. It doesn't tell you everything. You have cost per lead, you have cost per estimate, you have cost per completed job. And then within those marketing channels, let's just talk about um, flyers or mailers. Within flyers and mailers, what's your average job size versus yard signs, right? And what's the profitability of each of those when you do? How many jobs can it produce? Because there might be, what you have to look at is when you actually analyze your marketing correctly. And I find these weird little blips of data in my business, which is there's a local newspaper that I uh, put ads in, I have for 15 years. The cost per lead is astronomically low. The problem is you can't scale it up. It's, they're only going to deliver that paper to 15,000 people in my area, no matter what. And it's only going to come out once on a Wednesday and once on a Sunday, right? So there's no way that if I dump 10x money into that, I'm likely not going to see a 10x result out of it. So now what you have to start looking at is, hey, great, that's one thing, but you reach critical mass or you get diminishing returns. So you can't just blindly dump, you know, if, if leads cost between $120 and $180 through Google and other stuff, and your newspaper is only 45, you're like, oh my God, let's throw our lives and our, all our money in the newspaper. It's like, okay, you can try, but the problem is that is that is a thing that you might max out and get diminishing returns. So just gotta be careful with that. But John, long way around saying lots of diversification, diversification, lots more effort and relationship kind of stuff there in there. Because honestly, this is gonna be a thrust of a lot of the uh, winter um, Ask a Painter, which is we think, oh my God, how are we ever gonna get enough leads? When I look at my business and I think about what we need to reach the next level or be a very interesting painting company, it's literally the difference between a couple of leads a week and maybe one completed job a week more than what we do currently. That's it. Like literally we're, if our two estimators do 20 estimates a week each, 40, if they sell one more job, this company is a brand new company. That's all that literally stands between most service companies and great success and, and being very, very interesting. So it's it's not that we need 100% more jobs, that we need 50 more leads a week. It's really that we just need to, we could even just capitalize better on the stuff that we have now. You know, you can think about price increases. You can think about adding stuff on. You can think about getting more leads and hiring your, uh, getting your success ratio up and things like that. There are so many little things you can do. And and end, John, what I took away uh, from all that, you can confirm or deny, is that it's not a moonshot. We're, there's not a secret marketing company or a secret marketing channel that is going to be all the difference in the world. It's literally going to be taking 11 to 13 forms of marketing, doing each one 3% better, getting a 3% better return. And when you have that, your marketing is now 20 to 30% better and more effective than it was before. So unsatisfying. But... That's what professional, consistent, reliable companies do. That's what I took away, John. Sam Chandler. Oh, I just flew in a painter from Tennessee. That's awesome, man. That's I know. I think it feels like you do that kind of often there. Um, uh, how is Hawaii doing and everything? We've been hearing about the fires and the devastation over there. I know it's a different island probably than what you're on, but uh, we're all thinking about everybody over there. So Ryan, beautiful night. You know, man, you're in my same neck of the woods here. It's The crickets are getting louder. Uh, the frogs are getting louder and the sun just set behind. So it's going to actually get uh, dark and dim here. The last time I was out here doing this, uh, I was talking with Chris Mole on this thing. 
And literally the second I shut this off, two deer walked out, a possum right out in front of this thing. And I was like, oh my God, if I would have just stayed on live another 30 seconds, you guys would have seen uh, a, a mom, a huge doe with her baby with spots, a little fawn right there. So, um, okay, Donnie, how's it going, my friend, fellow Minnesota painter? Um, are you rocking exclusively white dove over marathon uh, these days? You mentioned white dove a couple minutes ago. Yes, uh, in my company, white dove is our, is our go-to roller cover, half inch. Um, nine inch and then uh, 18 inch for the company like that. Uh, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, Oscar, see you in California. Sign up for the marketing. Dude, I cannot wait. Um, for anybody who has not got to spend time with the Feria family, uh, the the first family of sandpaper, uh, the surf prep people, dude, my master's classes are going to be great. I'm going to give you a whole bunch of data and feelings and everything else, but uh, I will hope to inspire you. I will guarantee you, you will be inspired by that family and how they think about business and how they take care of others. So I would urge you, if nothing else, like, you know, you're going to get a lot of great stuff out of my master's classes there. And, and they always do a great job with them. But hanging around with those people in their home setting is absolutely inspirational. And I go there for the inspiration too. I just lucky enough to do some master classes while I'm there. The right painter. How's it going? Good to see you. Evo, how's it going? Uh, Luis, how's it going? John, Andy Hall's watching. How you doing, man? We had a great time. Um, Michael, Joel, uh, Joel Hamburg, good friend from the industry, one of the first people I ever met here. We also had our company cruise this last week, which was an absolutely amazing thing. We had a little later in the year. A couple of our seasonal people couldn't do it. Uh, we'll probably move that up in the year later. Just, you know, it's availability of these things. But we took out a big old yacht and we had about, uh, I don't know, 48, 50 people on board, give or take. Uh, we had our uh, paint reps on there and things like that. And uh, yeah, it was an absolute blast. And it's just a it's a good reminder of something that I need to work on, which is celebrating wins. A good professional, consistent manager and leader celebrates wins when needed. And sometimes the problem is like when, when you set your standards early on in your professional career, where I want to be the most interesting painting business in the United States, I want to do an abnormal amount of net profit. I want to have a lot of people in this and that. Anything less than that can sometimes feel like you missed the mark, right? And uh, what you have to do is if one single job hits the budget, you need to celebrate that win, right? Even though you didn't become the most interesting painting company in the United States, you need to stop and you need to celebrate the win with that people because it's a freaking win. And I am the worst with this. I'm the absolute worst with that, but I am getting better. Andy's watching, Estimator Andy, the world famous Estimator Andy. Andy, maybe you can confirm or deny, but... Um, lots of changes happening in our company as well, too. Uh, recently, this dovetails into this. Um, Andy came in and helped me actually renovate and innovate our project management system and our coordination system. And it has been an absolute blast doing that with him. He is an absolute soldier. Uh, he just took a week off with his family and we were <laughs> we were forcing him to disconnect because Andy and I are both uh, are both workaholics and uh, we can empty our gas tank in a lot of places. So we're actually trying to keep Andy accountable to his vacation and minus one little interaction midweek uh, we actually held him accountable to that uh, I don't I don't know if he did other things outside of what I could see but uh, that's what we're all doing in the business right now is we're not forcing everybody to work less we're forcing each other to be better in this uh, in this business um, over the last 12 to 24 months we've crossed a huge threshold in professionalization and what got us here is not going to get us elsewhere right? We were cowboys. We were firefighters. We're growers, founders, scalers. We're emptying our gas tank into this business. And it's great for a certain time in the business. 
And we crossed this threshold in the last really six to 12 months where that's not what we need anymore. We need consistent professional operators and we're reforming ourselves. We're reforming others. We're bringing in new people. We've innovated some systems. And I got to tell you, it is an absolute blast operating this with my people. And uh, God, there's three months from now, I'm going to have a story to tell you guys like no other. This has been one of the most thrilling sort of like six to nine months of my life. I'm completely energized. It's like, I didn't think you could get a second wind or a third wind or a 10th wind. I didn't think I needed it. I didn't think you could up your level of energy and intensity and interest. And I have, and, uh, this is an amazing, amazing time period to be doing what we're doing, where we're doing and how we're doing it. And, uh, I'm glad, especially with estimator Andy and other people like that. I got a hell of a team folks. And, uh, yeah, it, it makes all this awesome. So, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Juan Jimenez, lots of small win lately. Definitely taking the time to sell lots of small wins. Absolutely, man. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Andy, the cruise is fantastic. Uh, anytime, man. I love doing that stuff with you. Uh, Andy, it's tough not checking in. It's seeing uh, the work getting done, but always nice to recharge. I agree. And that's what a professional company does. Um, trying to go through my mental checklist. I made a few things. So changes in the business. Uh, boy, once we get some data on this stuff, I got so much to tell you guys uh, uh, about what we've been doing in the business. This is so exciting. We went through the events. We got surf prep coming up. We got women in paint. We got commercial conference. We got Spanish speakers conference in Florida coming up. We got the big expo, our Super Bowl, as you know. Um, I would urge you guys, bring your head up above water and, and I would challenge you to come to one of these events. Meet me there. I will be at all these events. Uh, I don't, I think there might be a conflict with the Spanish speaking one. It might be uh, the day of another event that I have, but I'm telling you guys, get out there, meet me there. And if you didn't have the time of your life and you don't think about what we do differently, you tell me about it and we'll change it. Uh, I would challenge you. I've never met somebody who, who didn't go to one of these where they didn't come back full energy and ready to, uh, ready to innovate and, and change what we do. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on my list. I think that was about it, folks. It is the dog days. It's it's the end of August. We're st I mean, I don't know what the hell's going on with Minnesota, but we keep having these 98 degree days here, give or take. We're not made for this sort of thing here. Like you California people, John Ray and stuff, you guys get this all the time. Well, you're you're San Diego, -ish, so you may not get it, but there's lots of people around the United States that have this stuff. It's uh, it's 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 kicking us, man. It, those are hot days, and we are not used to it. And and when we get those hot days, we get that hundred percent humidity as well, too. So it's it's pretty wild here. So, um, John Ray, yep. Big takeaway for me was Matt Kuyper's ask uh, to elevate uh, from focusing on individual tactics to going. Uh, let's see here, going more broad, uh, trying uh, a bunch of stuff and measuring results. Also that the marketing is huge. And in a downturn, you can keep a uh, business coming in by putting more resources into marketing. Downturn doesn't have to result in less revenue if you put more into marketing. Agreed. And marketing, uh, as you just said, John, is not just finding somebody, shoveling money at them and them solving things for you. Marketing can be relationship. It can be reactivating past customers. It can be getting active in your community. It can just be being a decent human being and following the golden rule to all those around you too. So uh, it's a big thing and put an effort towards stuff, but there's very few things in life and marketing is one of them where if you just shovel money at something and hope somebody else fixes it for you, usually doesn't happen. Usually doesn't happen. So yeah. <laughs> all right, folks, I think that is going to be it for me tonight. It's getting dim out here. 
Um, I just want to tell you guys how much I appreciate you and everybody else following along with this. Um, it is the absolute joy of a life to be connected to this industry as maybe a better human, better father, husband, master craftsperson, business owner. And um, I would just urge you guys, right? I don't know that I've never met a person in this industry that's like, oh yeah, everything's easy. I got a whole bunch of extra time. The money stacks up. I'm actually having trouble what to do with all this extra money. Um, I can get as many people as I want that are world-class all the time. And they stay forever. I have all the clients in the world. I'm actually turning a bunch away. Um, the things I just said are not, are not typically what you find in our industry or in any business, in any industry. So what I will tell you guys is this. If you're feeling any of those pains, even, even the simple stuff, what to charge for X, scheduling, finding people, marketing, what to do next with your business. All of these can be solved by joining me and other professionals in this community we call the Ask a Painter Live. We call the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association. All these coaching groups, all these marketers, I saw Eric watching too, Eric Fosnacht. There are insane group of professionals out there willing to help our businesses. You have to do the fundamentals of your business and these people are there to help you, but they're there. We have to be better, right? This entire industry is going to professionalize and leave a whole bunch of people in the dust. Instead of being firefighters and cowboys and all this stuff, we need to be better. We need to be consistent professionals. And if I'm being honest, that's not who we are. It's not who I was. There's people like John Ray who have the business owner mentality. There's people like Eric Fosnacht who have a business owner mentality. But speaking from somebody who's been a painter for 16 years, a business owner for 15 I was a painter for 16 years before I owned my business. So technically I'm still, I've still been a painter longer than I have been a business owner and will for a lot of years. I wasn't set up for this. Not only did I not have the skills and the tools, I didn't have the mindset. And I'm very disappointed to tell you that it took me 15 years of owning a business uh, to start working on the mindset, the gas tank, the work-life balance and all this other stuff. And I hope that you guys, I know that you guys are going to find this sooner than I did. But that's what we're all here for, right? That's what this community is for. That's what these people are for. And I'm grateful to be doing this with all you guys. Especially in the deep thoughts on a, uh, on a box blind. On a Sunday night in August. When the toads and the crickets and everything are chirping. So just get out there. Be a good human. Take care of all your people. Just be nice to other people. Forever. It's a great strategy. I get reminded that every single week. Um, careful for your gas tank, empty it in the right places, and just know that you're not alone. You got this entire community for you. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 